Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Scandal Panel. Can you handle the scandal? Ooh. Ooh, now you can see all of us, we are wearing pink today. And it's because at the request of our birthday boy, Ernest! Yay! Yay! Happy Yay! birthday! So how do you celebrate your birthday, Ernest? Um, what do you do? Um, blowing... Blowing. Blowing, blowing, cock, <laughs> blowing 120 candles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now we know uh, every day blow cock, right? Must be to stay so young. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for more new ones. So anyone just send me oh, address really? and DM me. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So if you have any special requests, uh, please don't forget to DM Ernest uh, on his Instagram, okay? Yeah, he will be more than happy to entertain your request. That's the reason why we are wearing pink. So this is also to commemorate all the ladies out there. And we're also raising awareness that it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So at the meantime, speaking of breast, have you guys seen the latest Instagram post by Brittany? She's now showing all her little titties. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, I'm not sure whether it's been taken down yet, but everyone has been like, hashtag free the nip. So it's like, that's literally on top of a free Britney movement. So, but basically I think the good news is that we all are aware that Britney Spears has finally gotten rid of a conservatorship and the court has actually awarded in a favour by suspending her father, is no longer in control of her estate, and her will, so she's now exactly free to manage her own finances. So we all should be very happy for her. Well, I know that some of us, how many of us are Britney fans over here? Sure. Britney fan? Okay, wow, the three of you. Well, actually, to be honest, I'm not really a Britney fan. I've never really liked her music, but for what it is, right, her journey this time has, has really got my heart. And to see someone who's been suffering for 13 years, especially under the control of her father, who claims that she couldn't even do anything. Right? She managed to get an iPad. She was so happy about it, which is actually quite bizarre because all of us were thinking like, wait a minute, why should you be so happy to get an iPad? Isn't that something or rather entitlement that everyone should get? So we are so filled to realize that sometimes the little things, right? And speaking of which, it's also to say that, you know, sometimes toxic families also plays a part. Britney could have gone through a much better life if not for her toxic family. So speaking of toxic family, right, I think as us people living in this society, right, we have been so oppressed. So maybe each of one can share your own experience. What do you think you can handle toxic family and how do you think you can able to handle them? Let's start with Ernest. Okay, uh, main thing is that I think it's an Asian culture or, you know, uh, Chinese predominantly, but I think it's in Asia that filial piety and um, family bond thing is a very big uh, uh, lesson that parents teach you when you're young, right? But how do you react or how do family members react to you? For example, you know how many children who have come out and get kicked out of the family, even in Asia? So are they loved? You know, are, to me, Family members, brother, sister, mother, father is a name. Yes, you cannot change that name. You are born as my brother. You are born as my sister. You know, I was born from you. But does that mean all human beings are good human beings? I know of uh, my friends who, whose parents uh, and brother are drug addicts. And then they really abuse him, like, um, you know, and take money from him and all that and how 
is he supposed to stick with them just because, okay, I'm your son. So I, I, I give you money to feed your drug habit, right? And it's like people are saying, but that's your family. That's your mother. That's your father. That's your, you know, your brother. What will my child say? And I said, you want your child to see you going through such an abusive relationship? Mas, what will my relatives say? You know, how is my child going to grow up without a father? I said, then you rather him have an abusive father and you have an abusive spouse? So that's it. Do you think, yeah. you guys, do you think it's an Asian thing? I think it is because, uh, I mean, we, we hear news about like having a drug addict family or member, right? What, what about uh, cases whereby the father and mother uh, physically abused the kid until they died? That was the case with the Malay boy being in the cage and the parents killed him because of torture. And then what about parents like uh, father molesting the, the daughter, you know, or even molesting the son or even raping the daughter or the son? I mean, this is something that is to the extreme, but uh, I'm saying that it, it doesn't mean that just because your family, sometimes you have to take charge of your life and say, uh, no, this is toxic or this is uh, dangerous to me or this is not good or harmful to me and just sometimes say enough is enough. I mean, uh, we talked about Britney. Britney, uh, you can find out more information from uh, the recent Netflix documentary about Britney. They'll share a lot of information about that. The father even was said to install a device in her womb to track her movements. Yeah, that, that's really like, overboard already and then there's also so many uh hong kong and taiwanese celebrities who are like uh extorted from their own parents you know to to treat them like a money making machine i mean it is just too much sometimes so you really have to draw the line as to uh what is good for your sanity and good for your well-being and sometimes enough is enough even if it is family well, I feel that in Asian families, there's a lot of emphasis on keeping up appearances. Maybe not necessarily Asian families, but, you know, like Asians, I mean, you know, we like to keep face, you know. So, so no matter what's happening inside the household, you have to appear a certain way to, to people on the outside. Yeah, I don't think that's healthy. You know, you may even just have to move out of the house and just kind of cut off certain family members from, from communicating with you. Of course, this is all easier said than done. Thankfully, in my own experience, my mom is very supportive of, uh, well, you know, she helped me tremendously when I wanted to buy my flat. She helped me, you know, pursue the education that I wanted. You know, my mom is very more concerned about practical matters about, um, you know, having a roof over our heads than about emotions, uh, kind of have the freedom to pursue what I want without having to kind of like answer for for my actions to my to my family members. Yeah. Uh, I, I see yes. Ernest has something to add. Okay, just one point, okay. Yes, your family members are there for you physically, right? But the question is, is your family there for you emotionally? Do you know, uh, honestly, a lot of families, sometimes mine included, if I wanted a million dollars, they can get a million dollars for me. But if I wanted a shoulder to cry on, they are not there. No? 
But but that's very different from like the father mother extorting money from yeah, us. It's very different from the father raping the daughter. Or that's that. why. What are toxic family members? There is a list below. That's why uh, you all can share it. You know what is a toxic family member? Is a, a family member there for you emotionally, which a lot are not. Do you know I had one comment? Uh, okay, if a family member had cancer. This is a real, if a family member had cancer, even though none of your family members uh, are doctors, uh, they will check with you, oh, how are you going to eat? You know, uh, uh, how, do you have transportation to your chemotherapy? You know what will happen? Is someone going to clean your house? Is someone going to take care of you? But if you tell your family member, I'm depressed, I'm going to commit suicide, I'm going to hurt myself, uh, all silent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think I just learned in my family not to dis discuss these things. No, that's I why I discuss it with you guys. You know, it, like you guys are my friends. Yeah, so I will discuss this with you guys. I'll yeah. Just, so the thing mm, is that yeah. if your family is not there for you emotionally, by just having a listening ear and a shoulder to cry on, they are your lawyer, doctor. What what is family? What is family? Yeah, but then but then we are also talking about not not imposing a certain definition to what family is, right? If our family members treat you like shit, then maybe maybe you don't have to be part of that family. Oh, however, right. however, yeah. nothing exists in from or from or from one spectrum to the other. Well, you know. So I do believe that what uh, Stephen has mentioned, right? Yes, it's, sometimes it's like, you know, if you base on what you can take from your family and if you appreciate for the little things for what they can do for you, and that's very good because different people have different uh, take on, on handling certain family members. And in case, if, let's say, if we do not have a relationship with our own personal family, that's where it's very important. We must find our own chosen family. So if you don't have our own chosen family, which is among our friends, right, then it's going to be quite, yeah, it's going to be quite sad. So basically, as what the attachment has shown, how do I recognize uh, toxic family members? So when you leave the presence, you often feel worse than you did before. So this is one of the topics that it's often mentioned. And how do you recognize a, a toxic family member is when they try to control your life, they'll tell you what kind of decisions to make. Does it sound very familiar? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, and they always seem to criticize you anything and everything, right? So, and on the other spectrum, they can come across as being physically, verbally, or emotionally abusive. And I think this is something Ernest can relate to, right? <laughs> so, and they always seem to need you to come to their rescue. I think this replies to Jonathan, am I right? <laughs> so, so don't, don't forget yeah. there's gaslighting as well yeah. all of our members are very guilty of gaslighting this is very true how about those those religious families that instead of listening to your problems or giving you a hug I will pray for you can you be human and give me a hug hold my hand and listen to me be a listening ear but I think there are people who are also having difficulty uh, processing and and showing uh, outward the space of affection. There are people who struggle with that. I guess it's no news for those of you who are watching, coming from a society like Singapore, 
Asian society, you know, it's a first world country, always strive to be good, strive to be number one. And that's what, you know, uh, push us our Kiasu culture and the Kiasi culture. So at the end of the day, it's like, it's really an ongoing rat race. It's like, you know, if you can always have to be better than the other person. So if there's always no form of way of how to nurture. So it's always unfortunate that, you know, our generation of people has grown up in such a way that they are not being taught the way of parenting skills, which is also, that's why, like I said, no matter what education's right, um, there's always got to be a balance between an EQ and IQ. As a parent, regardless, you know, whether you're adoptive parent or a blood parent, right? There's always must be a form of understanding whereby you have to develop both IQ and EQ. I've seen so many parents, right, with have high IQ, but super low on EQ, which is a case whereby what Ernest has suggested, like, oh, I can provide you with a lot of things. I can provide you this, this, I can provide you with that. But when it comes to emotional support, they know nothing. Or simply they'll just say, I'll pray for you. Okay, and yet you have another spectrum of people who literally, just literally like will shower you with a lot of gifts literally will shower you a lot of gifts and everything, but then they will not be there for you emotionally when you need them the most. And that is, that is so-called like, you know, that there's always a, there needs to be a fine balance of things like that. And, and, and not talking about it is always the main issue that what causes so many people, especially people in our society, to grow up in such a screwed up mindset. Let's put it this way. We just throw a stone out there in, in a gay bar right now. How many people out there are so superly fucked up? One of my teachers in university has a saying that as we grow older, we realize that, you know, actually our parents don't know everything, you know, so they are really just trying their best. So let's not confuse that with, you know, actual toxic family members who are, who do mean harm to their offspring. I just want to end this whole topic with a quote, okay? Blood is not thicker than a peace of mind. Now, I would like to end this topic about toxic family members by bringing the focus back to Jamie Spears with a special message from me. Jamie Spears, you! How dare you do this to Britney? You've been living off her since she was 12 years old. You still want to take money from her. Huh? How, how dare you keep her under your control so long? And you, uh, how dare you make us think that she's crazy? Even though she has been doing these world tours, she's been entertaining us for so many decades. You, I hope you will rot in hell and you will be tortured till the end of time. Oh my god. Wow, that was a very passionate and a heated moment for Stephen. All right. And if you guys have any further questions or anything that you'd like to add on, please feel free to leave down in our comments below while we move on to our next segment. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Scandal Panel. Can you handle the scandal? So we move on to our next segment where I'll hand the baton to Ernest, who's our Know Our Scandals. So, okay. <laughs> Hello everyone, so it's Know Your Scandal section. And today's question is, all of you have watched movies or TV series, right? Are there any tropes from anything that has made you 
fear something or leave an impression in your life. For example, after watching Jaws, a lot of people dare not go into the sea or the water or anything. That's an example. So um, anything that you have watched in movies that have affected your life tremendously. It can be good, it can be bad, it can be happy. So can we start with Stephen? Okay. Well, it doesn't have to be like frightening, right? No, it, it doesn't be, like, have just to be. any yeah. strong emotions. I think that the movie that was very formative for me when I was a teenager was Madonna's documentary, Truth or Dare. Yeah, it was a kind of behind the scenes look where this was way before the age of reality TV. She had a camera crew follow her around from, from the time she, that she conceived and, and rehearsed the concert when the tour started in Japan and then to the States and then ending in Europe. It was such a revelation for me because she, she was so daring, she was so outspoken. The show was so amazing. Her dance moves, her costumes, her very brazen stage persona. You know, there was one time where she was like slapping her backup dancers around. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it just made me feel like, oh my God, that's what I want to be. I want to be her when I grow up. And somehow I became an opera singer. So I don't know how that happened. And that's how you're your life. So you plan to one, you know, you want to be an opera singer. So you want to be on stage. You want to be a performer. Yeah, I just right. want to be on stage and feel the magic that she, that she brought to me in that very formative age. Yes. And, and of course, that was a movie about gay rights way before gay rights was a thing. You know, she had like, nine backup dancers for like black or latino dancers from the ballroom scene in new york madonna is a, a source of inspiration for me yeah okay everyone knows i'm a horror fan right mm. and um you know one thing that affected me is there's so many horror movies where things appear behind your mirror Every time, like from brushing teeth to, you know, after a bath, you look at the mirror, you wipe away the, the, you know, the condensation and then there's something behind the mirror. So for a long time, I think in my younger days, I was so afraid of that. After brushing teeth and washing the face, I would never look in the mirror. I would never look into the mirror. <laughs> you know, always it's your basin and the mirror, right? I would like, and then... Uh, you don't look away. The other thing also, like especially the ring, which I don't know whether you've seen, that that part where you turn off the television set and then you've got a figure behind, you know, when it, the television, for about a month, uh, every time I turn off the TV, I will look away. I don't want to look at whatever is reflected on the, you know, the dark TV screen. Actually, it was quite scary because they do it for, I think, Conjuring 2 as well. Uh -huh. uh, where the old man was sitting at the corner, right? Yeah. So those, those are the things that really affected me. Like, oh, this could really happen. Therefore, I like horror movies that, you know, they use things that, okay, enter a dark cabinet or something like that where, you know, you open drawers where you can do it every day. But now I'm so immune to it, lah, so is very good. So, looking into the mirror had affected me for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jonathan, how about you? Okay. For me, um, I was thinking, have, uh, okay, I've seen this show. Okay. One thing is that I, I, I don't really have a fear of cockroaches. 
I will just like scam them. But ever since I watched this show called Creep Show, which is an anthology horror film, there was one segment where at the end of the whole show, where this guy has this extreme fear of cockroaches. He is so scared of cockroaches that his entire house is like uh, airtight, you know, and then he, he kind of like uh, hires exterminators to get rid of all cockroaches. So at the end of the show, uh, cockroaches started appearing from his mouth because he, 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 he was lying there emotionless and then cockroaches started uh, coming out from his mouth and then more and more cockroaches started coming out and then his whole body exploded and it was like all cockroaches. So ever since then, right, when I kill a cockroach, I make sure I kill the cockroach. <laughs> I, I'll make sure that the cockroach is really like smashed to bits and will not oh have God. a chance of coming back to life ever again. And so, impregnate you. <laughs> so, yeah. so, AJ's yeah. turn? Yeah. Have okay, I think um, my recent uh, shows that I've just caught was The Midnight Mask and mm. The Squid Game, mm. both on Netflix, out now. So, in case you haven't watched it. So, basically, the what really got to me was The Squid Game itself. Why I want to talk about this is very, very... Um, I'm going to say a very quick one because basically it's really talk about the red race of who survived the longest. And it's about how much money do you really want to win in order to survive? And how far do you willing to go to get someone killed just in order for you to able to move on to the next round of the game, which is really a depiction of the ugliness of human nature. Mm. And it's the fact, it really makes you question, like, you know, if such things like this happens in real life, right? What would you do to survive in the long run? Would you do it for the sake of you think you can actually think of a way to do it or would you kind of like wrestle with your own conscience to think that you can work together as a team to move on to the next round to try to beat the game but as far as you're concerned you know the not to reveal a lot of spoilers but that show kind of leaves one to think about you know the people that we should watch our backs the people who are close with us so sometimes it's really to show how much can you really trust the person who's sitting next to you or the person closest next to you. Yeah, so far, far. That's it for Know Your Scandals. Okay, stick with us as we will talk about movie reviews next. everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Scandal Panel. Can you handle the scandal? Before we start, okay, let us introduce our brand new rating uh, classification for our movie's review. Okay, so all of us will rate the movie based on five ticket stops, okay, and then we will average out and see what's the final score. So the final score will be five ticket stops will be golden ticket okay four ticket stops will be weekend ticket three golden stops will be weekday ticket two golden stops will be streaming or download okay one ticket stop only if it's a must watch and zero ticket stop skip altogether okay yeah. so let's start off with dune okay uh can i start off by saying whose bright idea was to watch dune Okay, because I totally hated the show. 
And I honestly, there was one point, uh, uh, the show is about two and a half hours long. After one hour, I was already getting bored. After two hours, I was still bored. And then after two and a half hours, I was like thinking, oh my God, what did I just spend two and a half hours watching? And I was like thinking I could be at home clearing my work emails instead of using this two and a half hours to watch Dune. So who's bright idea was this? I don't know. <laughs> so AJ, defend yourself. I got nothing else to say. First and foremost, right? The stupid reviews everyone was saying about like, oh my God, it's so good. It's so such should be very hyped about. And literally, I actually went there because I was supposed to go for a movie date today. And apparently I was suggesting, I said, okay, let's catch Dune. Then the person was telling me so that I think AJ is not a good idea because I heard the reviews is actually not very good. I think oh. you might have the same you might have the same effect as when you watch Snake Eyes and I don't want you to be leaving the theatre's empty. Let's all try to watch uh, No Time to Die, 007. So I was like, okay, I think let's do that. You know, but at the same time, I have to catch Dune because it's as part of the assignment. I mean, I'm not sure whether I was the one who suggested, but let's say, okay, it seems to be quite good because there's Jason Momoa, there is Oscar Isaac, and then there's Zendaya. So how bad can it be? So literally, like Jonathan, I went there and it's like, the first thing that came out of the title was Dune Part 1. And then I'm like, O-M-G. That is so misleading because why they did not put that in the movie poster? They put it on the titles. It's like, oh my God. So, okay. Besides the fact that it was very draggy, right? Another thing is that it just doesn't land any impact. I don't feel any of the characters at all. I don't feel driven for any of the characters. And if you just say there's a part two that's coming up, I'm not so sure whether I really want to watch it. I would rather just wait for the Blu-ray release to come out or streaming so that I can just download illegally. <laughs> because it's just something that I felt, yeah, it wasn't w- worth my time. And honestly speaking, my friend who made the comment saying that um, he's actually quite tired of why he keeps seeing Timothy Chalamet over there. It's like, that guy's really irritating the shit out of me. How he feel about Timothy Chalamet is how I feel about Zendaya because her freaking face is everywhere. And honestly speaking, I don't give a shit about her. What's so good about her? Why is she like the female leading role? She really doesn't scream female leading role about to me. So that she appears in what? No Way Home or the Spider-Man series. And then, yeah, she appeared in what? Uh, what's, what's, the, what's the one with Hugh Jackman? The Greatest Showman. showman yeah. The Greatest Showman. On, uh, the Greatest Showman. So it's like, really? What's, what? I don't see any talent from her. So if people are feeling irritated about Timothy Chalamet, right? That's how I also feel personally about Zendaya. How is she the female lead in the, in the series? Yeah, I have no idea. There's no appeal. There's no... I don't feel for her. She's, she's not America's sweetheart to me. I feel that she needs to move on. And it's just that I love a lot of black actresses. is not one of them. And Steven? Well, to be fair, Zendaya didn't really appear in the film <laughs> all that much, really. You only see her in flashback going... <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And the action really only starts like an hour in. And yeah. uh, Uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. So, uh, what action? 
<laughs> precisely, precisely what action, right? Yeah, uh, I will say that now that I've seen like how the story begins two and a half hours in, I suppose I will watch the sequel just to kind of see what happens, but I'm not anticipating it, you know? Uh, I'll give high marks for the special effects. I think the pacing could have been a lot better. Of course, I suppose they have like seven novels to cover, so that can't be done in one movie. Yeah, but I think just just treating it as a standalone film, not knowing that it's part of a of a larger series, uh, it wasn't an enjoyable experience for me. I'm the only one well. who didn't watch it, so can I ask a few questions? Yes. All right. Yes, please. Three of you can answer. Okay. Number one, is it visually impactful? Don't talk about story or boring. Could you just sit back, be be you know deaf and just don't hear anything? But it's visually nice, you know. Is it? Is it one of those movies? Oh, yes. uh, oh okay, okay. Can I say something? The yeah. only thing that was visually pleasing was seeing Oscar Isaac naked. <laughs> okay. I second that. Yes. Oh, yes, that yes. Part, I give an extra popcorn rating because of that. Oh, only that, that which it came out to two and a half. <laughs> two and a half popcorn rating. Was, was he hairy? No. No, completely not. You okay. like butter, you like. I thought the butter worms, were the worms nice? Worms? Got worms there? Eh? I, yeah, I would say, the, yeah, oh, the giant worms. No. Okay. Oh, worms. Oh, okay. oh, the, oh the, the monster. The, yeah, the monster is like... Yeah. If you want to talk about visual, I would say in The Mandalorian Season 2, with that monster, the shark, the bone shark thing, that was like way better than the whole movie. I'm so sorry, but yeah. Trust that, me, yeah. yeah. I was like, what's so scary about this monster? Yeah, he's a big monster. Like in the dune, that that's really a epiphany of exactly copy of Star Wars. No, no joke. Yeah, it's not even original at all. Oh, I'm like, of Star really? Wars, that's a big scary. Speaking of Star Sorry? Wars, uh, I I know AJ is a Star Wars fan. How do you not find really. the, the the parallels to Star Wars? There's like a big fat block villain like Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, and there is like this uh voice that keeps talking to them like like Yoda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there's that bone shark monster which is the, the worms. So it's like it's like uh, and, then, and then and then don't forget about the force, which is the voice. Okay, this major spoilers alert. Okay, but I feel that when they killed off some of the characters in the show, I felt nothing. I, I read I was dead inside. I didn't feel anything when they died. I was like, okay, well, they just died. <laughs> okay, so... Feeling of killing, let's put it this way, okay? I can forgive other things about killing certain characters, but the main person that what really brought me to watch this movie was Jason Momoa. And guess what happened to him? Spoilers! A... Spoilers! Yes. Yeah. Spoilers! And again, it's like, you know, he's the Han Solo to the main character's Luke Skywalker. So imagine take that characters away. What do you have for the movie? Absolutely nothing. Mm. So, okay, so question. Isn't this following a book series? So actually, is mm -hmm. it like the novel or did they change certain things? And like uh, Jonathan said, it's so much parallel, many parallel things to Star Wars. But are they following the book? So is the book a copy of Star Wars? You know what I'm trying to say? 
So whatever this movie is about, it's to follow a book or a series. Um, so, you know, whose fault is it? Okay, I, I think that with Dune, right, it's, it started off as a, as a popular book series, right? And there were quite a few novels. Uh, in 1984, there was a movie version that's made of the book already, also called Dune. Then, of course, uh, a decision was made to make this new version of Dune with, with the special effects that we have nowadays, as opposed to 1984. I feel that they try to be as faithful to the book as possible, but I don't know because I haven't read the books. I feel personally they should have made this into a TV series because I don't think it's even credible to even make it into a movie. You know, if it's going to be that draggy, right? Make it into a TV series so that at least, you know, we kind of like can pace along with it better rather than just making it like a two-part movie which is like, oh my god, it really defeats the purpose because I really came in thinking that it's going to be a whole entire movie and then suddenly when they show part one and the opening credits, I'm like, what? Wow, I've been duped. So, say it all. There was a mini series on Dune. There were. I heard there was. Yeah, a few. Yeah, it's called Children of Dune, and uh, yeah. So it's like if uh, well, well, fans of Dune, you can watch and compare and see whether this movie does it any justice. Okay, so mm-hmm. to wrap things up, let's let the three of us give our individual ratings. How many ticket stubs do you give? Two ticket stubs. <laughs> okay, and Steven? Well, I enjoyed the special effects, so maybe maybe a 2.5, Okay. I think you guys can guess. I'm only giving it a 0. 0.5, okay? <laughs> or 2.5. What's, what's a 0. 0.5 for what? 0. 0.5, yeah, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.5 for, what? for Oscar Isaac's body. Okay, <laughs> okay so that's 5 points yeah. in total divided by 3. So how much do we get? A 2 popcorn if we round yes. up. So that's a watch if you must. Okay, so that's our rating for Dune. All right, uh, speaking of draggy, guys, are we ready to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race UK? Yeah! Yay! Yeah. Okay, okay, but, but before RuPaul's we do that, right, this, this pink hit piece is, is really just bothering me, Heather. I have to, I have to take it off. <laughs> oh, feels so much better. Somebody has a weak review. Oh my god. Yeah, he came prepared. He came prepared. Oh, <laughs> oh my well, god! You know, it's our tenth episode, everyone. Please? Our special oh. anniversary! Yay! 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 rocking the Michelle Visage do. <laughs> I, think, I think I look like Roger actually with the long straight hair that's kind of semi graying. Yeah. Oh, that's what I like just now. Aging okay. Group. From X-Men. I don't know who that is. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. How do we find the latest episode? Episode 3. Gag. Gag. Yeah, kind of... I'm kind of... I'm okay yeah. with it. Um, This episode, I was very surprised to actually since again, spoilers alert. You know? Um, yeah. Like, like I, it's kind of very rare whereby you see a winner actually win two repeater badges in a row. So I'm like, wow. So let's give it a hand for Krista Versace. The challenge was kind of like set up for her to fail, but turns out, no, she kind of turned things the other way around. So obviously she came out slaying on the top. But I'm actually very worried about Victoria Scone because obviously of her injury. Is she going to get like a Eureka season 9 episode cut? So we shall wait and see next week. 
Yeah. Because I'm actually quite concerned because after watching the so-called like next week's uh, trailer, right? Uh, I don't get to see Victoria in the part of the, oh. you know, the episode. So I'm a bit worried. Is she out of the season or something like that? Uh, you know what I'm saying? So what mm. do you guys think? Will she be cut? Yeah, I, I just feel very bad for Victoria. You know, like like you work and work and work, and she's like this ground ba- groundbreaking person. It just happened. You know, I know, so, but again, uh, see, let's can can I say something? Like this isn't this isn't this counterproductive because the fact that she's doing a groundbreaking entrance by being the only cis female to actually take part in RuPaul's Drag Race history. So right now, with this physical injury that happened, right, it's now goes to show that do you think yeah. women have what it takes to take part? Because it's not helping with the representation of women should take part or not. So, you know, given if women can't able to stomach the physicality and the, the intensity of the physical aspect, uh, how can they able to compete and represent themselves? Which is also another question that we should think about. Mm. And another, another issue that presented uh, in view of Victoria's Cone is yeah. uh, the body positivity thing that came about. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, we talked like about... It. Yeah. Mm. How she overcome yeah. her... Uh, you know, body yeah. issues and, and, and she and all, not confident and that's the most important thing. And also yeah. as far as representation goes, right? Also first lesbian on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she is part of our LGBTQ family. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so as far as my thoughts go, I, I thought that this episode was kind of built around Crystal Versace actually, from that extremely shady mini challenge, you know, where she had to kind of put labels on everyone. And, and really, right, I felt sorry for her because she had to like kind of like call people names and she has to be entertaining because she's on yeah. TV. But it's not like she wants to t- call them these names, the production made her do it, you know? And then she had to apologize yeah. for it. And now she's getting hate for calling Victoria's going fat. Yeah, I, th- I thought that but was, that was very bad on her. Yeah. She but did. she did uh, damage control. Yeah. She actually really, because she, she knows that she needs to be smart enough in order not to get hate from the fandom. So she literally had to quickly make peace in front of the camera and talk peace with Victoria. So that's a very good strategic part on Crystal's part. So I got yeah. yeah. to give it to her. Uh, I suppose, I mean, of course, she was calling she was calling them these names to be entertaining, you know, because the task was given for her. Yeah. The task was given to her to do that. However... Yeah. Uh, I feel uh, like they kind of yeah. set her up to, to get hated, which is, I like, kind of find that that's kind of shady of the production. <laughs> to do that. They're setting yeah. somebody up for failure, setting up somebody up to have the villain edit. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. if she took the bait, I imagine if Crystal took the bait and go with it and actually rid everyone to fail. Imagine the hate she's going to get throughout the whole entire season. That's going to cause a lot more drama. Don't you see that whole production is yep. setting her up for, for, for hate, which is kind of very vindictive and very, you know, sneaky of them. But <laughs> luckily she redeemed herself within the same episode, so thank goodness for that. Yeah, so you got to yeah. give it to her. Got to give yeah. it to her for... So she's very smart. She's not only just a pretty face. Literally, yeah. there's a lot going on underneath her. So she knows how she knows how to do damage control PR. So that one for 19 years old, you gotta give it up to her. Yeah. She's very, very smart, very savvy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, that kind of like brought up my uh newfound respect because I always thought that she has this 
while persona that she's very bitchy, she's going to be like, oh, I'm the prettiest one of the lot. That I'm kind of persona she gave me. I thought she's going to be in trouble. But yeah. yeah. And she, she gave me that kind of Carmen Ferrella kind of vibe. Like initially, with the first impression, you realized that, okay, you better watch out for this one. This pretty one will always kind of like, you know, think that she'll get away with it. But turns out, she's opposite of what there's part, there's part, there's part. It's like Bianca Del Rio where there's all the shade, but underneath yes. the shade is still hard. So which is, yes. you can be as shady as you want, but as long as there's still hard underneath, a lot can be forgiven. Oh yeah, it's yeah. true, it's true. Yeah. Guys, how do we what feel do about the main challenge? How do we feel about the main <laughs> challenge? I was thinking AJ would rock the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Ernest, the dance teacher in our group, it's a dance challenge, you know. Yeah. I'll watch it later. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Bummer. What? Why are you so late in the game, Ernest? I'm just kidding. It's a conversation, which I'll tell you guys more about it next week. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay, uh, fine. Then, you, then your, your, your compensation <laughs> is your makeup for two episodes, huh? So let me see. <laughs> On the next episode, okay. I will tell you, yeah, what I feel about it in the next episode. Yeah, I thought, right, I thought so that this this choreographer, right, this sweet, pretty girl who was on on Strictly Ballroom, Strictly yes. Come Dancing, yeah. Strictly Come Dancing, yeah, and and I, I think she really loves RuPaul's Drag Race. So now that she's engaged to be on the show, she just kind of went overboard and just really tortured the queen. So oh, is it? <laughs> Yeah, the choreography is really tough to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> come on, I'm still looking at it. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I love chorizo, man. Chorizo. She was like, oh my god, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh yeah, this or that or that. <laughs> but she really made it out, you know, with the personality. And I kind of, kind of like a chorizo, man. She's like, she's so endearing. Yeah. She's so funny, and she's like, yeah, I'm really starting to get to. She's, she gets me actually. More than River Medway, to be honest with you. So I'd be very sad if Chorizo May get sent home. Yeah. So She's becoming yeah, the she, standout of the season, really. Yeah. She's actually she is a standout of the season. Actually, don't don't play this Spanish queen, huh? Yeah, she's got a lot going on underneath. <laughs> yeah. yeah Looking to more sound bites from, from <laughs> Teresa. I would yeah. love to hear more sound bites. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. She okay, gives the best conventionals. Which one was your favorite runway? I know you always cannot remember the names. Me also. I'm so bad with names, right? But you know, sometimes you can remember what it looks like. Yeah. How about that? To be honest, right? Like my memory is a bit of a blur just because there are so many. But I will tell you that my least favorite, Victoria Scone's dress this week was quite ordinary. It felt like something that you could buy at the bridal shop, let's just say, you know, that, that it's not white, but it's just a regular dress. And so it was a little disappointing because last week her runways were so amazing, you know, they were so conceptual, it fit her so beautifully. And then this week she just came out in a sequin dress, la. yeah. What's the theme so, for this week? Red carpet elegance. Red color. Okay. Red carpet elegance. Carpet elegance. Yeah, yeah. So it was just a regular dress, yeah. Electra fans, I could see like where her concept is, but I think the execution was uh, could have been better, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts about the runway? How about Jonathan? Your favorite? Um, coming off week one, uh, with with very good looks, 
week two was kind of a snooze in terms of the runway. That's why I think that's why probably Steven has such a hard time trying to remember because none of them really did extremely well. I mean, Theresa May had that very big headdress. Lah. I guess that's why uh, it, it's a slightly more memorable. And for, for me personally, I like Kitty Scott Claus because she did like a Marilyn look. You know, it's very Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe look. Yeah, the pink really uh, looks good. Huh? But other than that, it, it, it felt very normal. It was a, not like wow kind of thing. Yeah. Unlike, unlike what we, we had for a lot of uh, runways on Red Race Espana. I mean, that that's really like a, amazing runways. But this week too was kind of like very meh. Yeah. But the mm. worst thing is that you told me it's red carpet extravaganza. It's so open and so open to do great things. Exactly. Mm. You know, it wasn't... Exactly, because like... to me, my impression is that, you know, I find that which one stands out the best. And to me, my standout were definitely Crystal Versace and Chorizo May because obviously both of them were pretty outstanding in their drag, very polished look. And at the same time, they both wear greens, which what Michelle Versace mm-hmm. hates the most. So, but they still got through. So, which is surprising. Uh, my least favorite looks was definitely... Um, you know, um, Electra Fence, and uh, definitely what was the other one, um, Scarlet Harlot. I thought it was very, very ordinary, to be honest. And also speaking to what you guys have also mentioned, right, last week they were very much stand out, yeah. and this week they were quite a lackluster. Do you oh, think yeah. is that the drag queens kind of like when it comes to the competition, they got to realize the strategic game in such a way that they got to make a spectacular impression on their entrance look, their first runway, and their final runway. Do you yeah. think that this could be the strategic, then in the middle, right, let's say it did last throughout the whole entire season, uh, they would just, you know, invest on the less stellar drag costumes. What do you think? It's possible, it's possible, because they have to prepare so many looks, they can't possibly, like, invest so much on every single look. But however, uh, at the same time, it's, it's a dangerous strategy, because if, let's say, your look is not that great, it might lead you to be in the lip sync for your life, and then that's where you might go home. So it's a different right, strategy, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It does. So that means, it, it means it's, you have to be on par almost every week, right? So yeah. that you really got to kick up to your, you know, your brim on the top of your game mm-hmm. and every single week, you know? So that's right. I've always Steven? wanted to ask this question. Do you think it's important that your final runway look should be easy for you to lip sync? It should be... Uh, it should be amazing enough, yet allow you the chance to do a lip sync. Because remember what uh, Kamora Hall had? Oh my god, you can't lip sync in that, man. Completely, you couldn't even move in that. So it has to be good enough uh, for the runway and yet allow you the chance to even deconstruct it so that you could have a lip sync battle. Yeah. Yeah, so you can at least like, you can unpin the dress and have a reveal underneath so they can do your splits. Or your movements, whatever. Or movement or something. Yeah. Okay, guys. Any thoughts about the lip sync and elimination? Electro fans versus Van- Vanity Milan. I I, uh, I I thought that it was like uh, I was a bit disappointed because uh, I I had Electro fans to be a lip sync assassin, so I I would imagine that she would last for a little bit longer than just two weeks. But yeah, so it was a bit, it was a bit disappointing for me that she didn't, she didn't make it through. Well, mm. the very fact that it's very obvious that Electra fans 
when she gets very excited, she tends to do too much to yeah. a certain extent that she gets off rhythm. But she went off sync, she actually did uh, the song in the front. So it's as if that you're watching her, she's on Adderall. She literally goes 160 <laughs> times per hour and, and the whole split and she's just doing again the gimmick, the stunt yeah. queen. So even when you saw clips of pieces where Michelle Versace reaction go, what the fuck? It's like, that's not a good expression at all because it obviously shows that she's doing way too much and she, she thinks that she's trying to compensate to win the lip sync, right? But you forgot about the performance aspect of it. Yeah. Which is, that's the reason why. A lip sync doesn't mean, uh, lip sync for your life doesn't mean that you've got to do all the stunts to bring yeah. all your stunts on the table, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that way. But unfortunately, Electrofan think that's the only way to go through, but it did not. So in the end, mm. it's a good thing. It's a good choice. I'm happy with the way it went. So yeah. So it's bye-bye to queen. Yeah. When I saw the main challenge, yeah, I thought the, the opening group number looked really odd. It looked really messy because it looked like everyone was doing something different. And, and, and I realized uh, upon hearing the critiques was because, because Electrofan was in the middle, and she was faster than everyone. That's why That's why everyone else looked off, you see? Yeah. It was kind of like Kylie Sonic versus Morgan McMichaels. Was that in that, in that you know, should the one who does the stunts, yeah. does more stunts be, get to stay? Or the one that inhibits the song better? And I mm-hmm. thought that Vanity Milan, I think she did do stunts too, right? I think she did yeah. do a split yeah, as she well. Did that, yeah. 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 yeah, she just didn't go overboard the way Electro fans was. And, and of course, uh, uh, it was M people, so maybe like kind of, uh, it was more suited for her, you know, skin color wise. But but she really did inhibit the song better. Yeah, and of course we have all we've seen all the stunts that Electro fans did last week already. Also, yeah. Okay, guys, uh, what was your standout on the runway? Your favorite look on the runway. Who was your favorite look on the runway? Oh, my favorite runway. I definitely really like uh, Crystal Versace. I know. So obviously, you know, she's very polished. And obviously, she wore something that Michelle Versace hate, which is green. <laughs> but yet, she won her over. So come on. Her drag was very tight. I gotta admit. And secondly, I felt the one that really blew me away was Choriza May. I really like her look. Yeah. But your favorite is Versace? Yes. Even? I can't remember a lot of things. This is my problem with like the start of a regular season, uh-huh. you know, where, where there are like 10 over queens and then yep. it's impossible for me to remember all the names, to put all the names to all the faces. Mm-hmm. Yep. And with that, uh, we've come to the end of our segment. And if you do have anything that you would like us to discuss on our future episodes, please feel free to leave them down in the comments below. And remember, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share. And we will see you next week. But before that, remember to get scandalized. Oh. <laughs>